a series. Uh, the title of that series is After the Resurrection. After the Resurrection. And so this is a series that we're in, uh, that we are coming off of Easter, and we're going to take the next 40 days from the standpoint of when Christ was still on the earth, physically on the earth after his resurrection, from his resurrection to ascension, the 40 days we have here, and, and, and see what we can learn and, and see how Je- what Jesus did and how he did the things he did while he was on the earth for 40 days before he ascended back into Heaven, And so last week we talked about the first encounter. And if you remember, the first encounter, one thing we realized, it was a personal encounter. The first person Jesus ever showed himself to was Mary Magdalene, there at the tomb. And he called her Mary, and as soon as she, she heard her name, she knew exactly who it was. It was Jesus, and she called him Master. It was a, the, the God is a personal God. That he came specifically to Mary in a personal way to her and her alone. But then last week we also talked about it as a purposeful encounter. A purposeful encounter because what to, to Mary Magdalene and then later on we looked at some other women that Jesus showed himself to. They all, they all were to come back to the disciples, to come back to all the other people, other followers of Jesus and tell them that he was resurrected. And so it was a purposeful encounter that they were to tell of the resurrection of Jesus. And so we know that it's important for us, even now, to continue to tell people about the resurrection, the good news of Jesus Christ, the gospel. And so today, what we're going to do, and this is why this is so cool, this is so great, is the title of the message today is The Explanation by Jesus Himself. The Explanation by Jesus Himself. And so what we're going to look at here is we're going to look at that Jesus himself explains the resurrection to two individuals that that seem kind of random, that seem like would not be the people that he would want to explain this to, that he would probably go to somebody more important or, or more significant, but he explains the resurrection to these two individuals as they're walking from Jerusalem to another town. And so if you're in uh, Luke chapter number 24... Luke chapter number 24, we're going to start in verse 13. We're going to start in verse 13. He says, And behold, two of them went that same day to a village called uh, Emmaus. Now, these two people are the two people that, that remember last week that Mary Magdalene and the women came back and told them all what they had seen and all that kind of stuff. And so of that group, here's two other individuals that are now going to another town, which was from Jerusalem about three score furlongs, that's about seven miles. And they talked together of all these things which had happened. They were talking and discussing about all the things that had happened and about Jesus' crucifixion and his burial, and now there's reports that he's been resurrected and all that kind of stuff. Verse 15, it came to pass that while they communed together and reasoned, notice who shows up, Jesus himself drew near and went with them. But notice in verse 16, but their eyes were holding or, or kept from recognizing that they should not know him. And so, so Jesus, these two individuals are going uh, to, towards another town. Jesus joins them, but, but for whatever reason, they cannot recognize Jesus at this point. Now let's look at verse 17. And he said unto them, being Jesus, he said unto them, What manner of communications are these that you have one to another? As ye walk and are sad. And so Jesus starts with a question. 
What's kind of interesting is that when you look throughout the whole entire gospel, Jesus starts a conversation with a question, typically. He doesn't necessarily go straight to, hey, let me tell you what you need to know. He, he starts with a question. He, he wants to open the person's mind a little bit. He wants to get them thinking a little bit. And notice what he's saying is that, look, they're, 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 they're walking, but they're sad. So what they're discussing is, 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 is bringing them great sadness and grief right now. Now, in verse 18, And one of them, whose name was Cleopas, answering, said unto him, Art thou only a stranger in Jerusalem, and hast not known the things which are come to pass there in these days? Basically, what, 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 what Cleopas says to Jesus is saying, Look, are you, are you new in town? Are you, are, have you not been here? Have you not been here for a while? Like, have you not heard about the whole Jesus thing, what's going on with him and the crucifixion and this resurrection and all this kind of stuff? Do you have any clue what's going on here? Then in 19, and he said, being Jesus, he said unto them, what things? He's, he, he's making sure that, that they under, that he, he's like completely clueless, or at least that's what he's portraying to these individuals. What things? So then he proceeds to tell them what things they were talking about. And they said unto him, concerning Jesus of Nazareth, which was a prophet, mighty in deed and word, before God and all the people. He goes on, verse 20, and how the chief priests and our rulers delivered him to be condemned to death and have crucified him. Verse 21, and we trusted, and we trusted that it had been he which should have redeemed Israel and beside this, today is the third day since these things were done. And so before we get in, go on to, to verse 22, notice how he's portraying this. That first of all, Jesus is a prophet. He's done some really good things. And, and they, but then they condemned him to death and they crucified him. And we trusted or we believed that he was going to be the redeemer of Israel. But three days have passed. Nothing really has changed. Notice in verse um, in verse 22, And yea, and certain women also of our company made us astonished, which were early at the sepulcher. And when they found not his body, they came saying that they had also seen a vision of angels which said that he was alive. And certain of them which were with us went to the sepulcher and found it even so as the women had said, but him they saw not. What's interesting about that is he starts to account the fact that there were women that went to the, to, the, to the sepulcher, went to the tomb, went to the grave. They saw these two angels that said he was alive. And then they, they said, you know, and they, they came back and they said what they had seen. And so people came, went to the to sepulcher, but they didn't see what the women saw. It's almost in what going on is they're almost kind of discounting in their minds that what those women saw was not true, was not real, because I haven't seen it for myself. I haven't seen it for myself. So notice in, in verse number 25, it said, Then he said unto them, this is Jesus, O fools and slow of heart to, notice the word, believe all that the prophets have spoken. Ought not Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into his glory? See, Jesus, Jesus poses a question and says, and notice he doesn't say, notice in, in verse 25, O fool, slow to heart, of heart to believe. Not slow of heart to know or slow of heart to understand, but slow of heart to believe. 
Jesus wanted them to trust. Jesus wanted them to trust in what he had already said in Jesus, but also wanted to trust on what had already been prophesied thousands of years before and over years and years and years pointing to this Messiah that would come. He was like, hey, why are you slow, slow, so slow to believe that Jesus truly is the resurrected God? Now here's what we're going to look at. We're going to look at two different ways that Jesus explains the resurrection. How Jesus himself explains the resurrection. So if you're taking notes, the first thing I want you to write down is I want you to write down, it was explained with the scriptures. It was explained with the scriptures. Notice as, as, as Jesus asks this question about them having a hard time believing and all that kind of stuff, notice in verse 27 what Jesus does. It says, a beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded unto them in all the scripture the things concerning himself. And so Jesus, while he's talking to these two individuals, he doesn't just push into them and say, hey, hey, this is me. This is Jesus. I'm the resurrected God. Like, believe in me. No, what he says is like, hey, we need to understand. We need to go back. And you understand that the scriptures have pointed to this very truth. And he says, I'm beginning with Moses. So what are some of those areas that maybe he went and, and showed him in the scriptures? Maybe Jesus went all the way back into Numbers. Numbers 21, when the, when the, when the nation of Israel was, was in the wilderness for 40 years and, 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 and about to go into the promised land. And the, and the people in the wilderness started to murmur against God and started to be disobedient. Maybe he went to Numbers 21. 8 through 9, he says, And the Lord said unto Moses, Make thee a fiery serpent, and set it upon a pole. And it shall come to pass that everyone that is bitten, when he looketh upon it, it shall live. See, Jesus had sent fiery serpents to, to bite them, and they were going to die. But, 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 but God is saying, Hey, put this brazen serpent up on a pole, and if they look on it, they could live. In verse 9, And Moses made a serpent of brass, and put it upon a pole, and it came to pass that if a serpent had bitten any man, which he beheld the serpent of brass, he lived. And so we see a picture of that maybe we look in this, if we didn't have any kind of perspective now, we would look and say, okay, this is a saving from, the, from, from getting bitten by a snake. But because of their murmuring, because of their disobedience, there was a way out, there was a way of escape. And as that brazen serpent was lifted up on this pole, it's just like Jesus had been lifted up on that cross. Maybe that's where he started. Maybe he went on and went into, maybe he went into the Psalms after that. So some, some hundreds of years later, he went maybe into the Psalms, and it says in Psalm 22, it says, They gaped upon me, verse 13, they gaped upon me with their mouths as a ravening and a roaring lion. I am poured out like water, and all my bones are out of joint. My heart is like wax, it is melted in the midst of my bowels. My strength is dried up like a porch shed. And my tongue cleaveth to my jaws, and now has brought me into the dust of death. For dogs have compassed me. The assembly of the wicked have enclosed me. Notice this. They pierced my hands and my feet. I may tell all my bones they look and stare upon me. Notice this in verse 18. They part my garments among them and cast lots upon my vesture. 
Maybe it went all the way back into the, the book of Psalms some, some, some thousands of years before Jesus came and, and said, look, notice in, in this psalm how it's talking about the, they pierced my hands and my feet. And notice how he talks about the, the garments, that they cast lots for the garments of Jesus. This is, all, this all is pointing to Jesus now that we have perspective, now that we have hindsight. Maybe he moved on into Isaiah and to the prophet Isaiah in, in Isaiah 53, all these books found in your Old Testament. In verse 3, it says, He is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid as, it were, as, as our faces from him. He was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he had borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet he did esteem him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted. Notice this in verse 5. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. Because of, uh, of our sin and our iniquities and, and, and our, our mistakes, that, that, that's why Jesus was put on this cross. That's why Jesus, and, and because of his stripes, because of his pain, we are healed. Notice in verse 6, all we... Like sheep have gone astray and have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He is brought as a lamb to the slaughter and as a sheep before his shearers is dumb. So he opened not his mouth. He was taken from prison and from judgment. And who shall declare his generation? For he was cut off of the land of the living, for the transgressions of, the, of my people was he stricken. And he made his grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death, because he had done no violence, neither was any deceit in his mouth. I don't know about you, but are you, I, know, I don't know if you're noticing a pattern, but all these Old Testament accounts are pointing to Jesus. And what happened and what was done to him in that crucifixion. Maybe he then moved on to Jeremiah 23. 5 and 6, he says, Behold, the days come, saith the Lord. Look at this, that I will raise unto David a righteous branch, and a king shall reign and prosper, and shall execute judgment and justice in the earth. Verse 6, In his days Judah shall be saved, and Israel shall dwell safely. And this is his name, whereby he can be called, notice the capital letters all the way through, the Lord our righteousness. Jeremiah was pointing to a coming king that was going to to have victory over death and hell. Finally, just a couple more verses. Maybe then he went to the prophet Zechariah. Zechariah 12. It says, And I will pour, verse 10, And I will pour upon the house of David and upon the inhabitants of Jerusalem the spirit of grace and of supplication. And they shall look upon me whom they have pierced And they shall mourn for him as one mourneth for his only son, look at this, and shall be in bitterness for him as one that is in bitterness of his firstborn. The firstborn of God, Jesus himself. And then finally, Zechariah 13, verse 6. And one shall say unto him, What are these wounds in thy hands? Then he shall answer, those which, those with which I was wounded in the house, notice this, of my friends. 
Now, I don't know exactly where Jesus went in the Scripture this day. He may have gone to these Scriptures. He may have gone to other Scriptures. But throughout the Old Testament, we see, we see picture after picture. We see type after type. We see prophecy after prophecy that, of specifics about Jesus' crucifixion and resurrection and what He was going to do on this earth and the purpose and reason why He came. So what is the application of this point? Notice that Jesus didn't just reveal Himself and just say, hey, this is me, I'm the resurrected King. Look at me, follow me, believe me. No, He went to Scripture. He went to the Old Testament. He went to a place that we can look, even to this day, we can look through the Old Testament and we see prophecy after prophecy pointing to a Savior, pointing to Jesus. And so this is so interesting because here we go, in order to explain the gospel, Jesus starts with the Scripture. And really when it comes down to it, when when we explain the gospel, when we explain Jesus, When we talk about Jesus, it's not just about, hey, let me tell you about what he's done. No, let me tell you about what he's done. Let me tell you about who he is. Let me tell you about the truth that we see woven throughout Scripture, about that Jesus was to come to save. So here's what I want to help you about with your Bible. Your Bible is not about uh, so much a what, it's about a who. It's about Jesus Christ. The Old Testament is pointing to Jesus. The Gospels talk about Jesus. And in the New Testament, it's pointing back to Jesus. And so Jesus himself, when he's explaining the resurrection, he starts with the Scripture. He starts with the Scripture. Let's go on into verse 28. Notice what happens in verse 28. And they drew nigh unto the village whether they went, and he made as though he would have gone further. And so they're close to the village of Emmaus. And so Jesus is is acting like he's going to continue moving on. But notice at verse 29, but they restrained him, excuse me, and they constrained him, saying, Abide with us, for it is towards evening, and the day is far spent. And he went in to tarry with them. Notice one thing is that, that, that once they, they heard the truth of the Scripture, they heard the truth of the prophecy, they wanted to know more. They wanted Jesus to come in and to tell them more about the prophecies and, and the things of himself. And then notice when, when they asked him to come and to stay, what did Jesus do? He stayed with them. Here's what I want to encourage you about. Jesus is not in a hurry. Jesus is not in a rush. Let me help you with this. When you go to God, whether it be in prayer or in Scripture, whatever, whenever you go to God, it's not like God is saying, I don't have time for you. It's not like He's saying, look, I, I, I'm a little busy right now. When we go to God, when we make time for God, let me help you with this. God always makes time for us. He always makes time for us. So so when we talk about, well, is God present? Is God here? Is God real? Every time we call unto God, guess what God says? I'm right here. I'm listening. I'm here. I I want to be with you. I want to help you. I want to have a relationship with you. Jesus was not in any rush. 
He was going to go further. What's interesting, I wonder if, if, if Jesus would have gone further if they had not asked him to stay. If he had, if he had said, okay, if, if they ask me to stay, I'm going to stay. But if they, don't want it, if they want it, then I'll just keep on going. I'll just go on to the next person, the next person, and the next person. But these people wanted Jesus to stay. And that's exactly what Jesus did. He stayed with them. He stayed with them. He is never in a rush. Now, the second, the second way he explains the resurrection, not only was it explained, explained with the scriptures, but it was also explained by his actions. It was also explained by his actions. Now, notice what happens in verse number 30. It says, It came to pass, as he sat down at meat with them, so he's going to sit down for a meal, he took bread and blessed it and break it and gave to them. Now, let's stop for just a moment because when Jesus takes bread and blesses it and breaks it and gives, that sounds familiar to me. That sounds very familiar to me. If you are tracking with us during the Who Is This Jesus series from Christmas to Easter, we looked at different accounts throughout the Gospels and saw who Jesus was in his character and also how he interacted with other people. And so we, we actually looked at two different messages where Jesus specifically takes bread, he blesses it, breaks it, and then gives it out. Let's look at those two examples, Matthew 14. Matthew 14, it says, And he commanded, verse 19, And he commanded the multitude to sit down on the grass and took the five loaves and the two fishes. Now, these five loaves and two fishes, this is when we know about Jesus feeding the 5,000. Feeding the 5,000. He took the five loaves and the two fishes, and looking up to heaven, notice, he blessed and break and gave the loaves to his disciples and disciples to the multitude. So when Jesus was feeding the 5,000, there's this little lad that has these, this lunch, and he has, he has five loaves and two fishes. And so Jesus takes the loaves, he blesses them, he breaks them, he gives them to the disciples, and then he gives them out to, to the, the disciples give it out to all the people. And if you're not familiar with that, with that account in the gospel, they fed 5,000 people that day. And at the end, they got up enough fragments to fill 12 basketfuls. It was a true miracle that Jesus was able to, 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 to be able to feed all these people and to have more left over than what he started with. And so that was the first time we see Jesus taking bread and blessing it, breaking it, and giving it. But also we see another time where Jesus did the same thing, Matthew 26. Matthew 26, this is the time at the Last Supper when he's with his disciples and and, and he starts to teach them and talk to them about what it means for him to die. In verse 26, it says, And they were eating. Jesus took bread, notice, and blessed it and break it and gave it to the disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body. So Jesus takes bread, and he blesses it, breaks it, and then hands the disciples and, and as a picture of a broken body. That was, that was, that was in, in less than a day was going to be put on a cross to die for our sins. 
And so we see these two examples in Jesus' life where, 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 as he was communing and walking on this earth before his crucifixion, one where he, he takes the bread, blesses it, breaks it, and gives the people to feed to 5,000. But then he also takes bread, blesses it, and breaks it, and, and, and gives it to his, his disciples as a, as a picture, as a memorial of the body that would be broken and the debt that would be paid because of his sacrifice. And notice in verse 31 of Luke 24. And their eyes were opened, and they knew him, and he vanished out of their sight. He vanished out of their sight. Now what's interesting about this is that he did exactly the same thing with feeding the 5,000 and what he did at the Last Supper. So at this point, at this point, when they see Jesus take that bread, when they see Jesus bless that, when they see Jesus break that bread and give it to them, their eyes are open. Now, I don't know exactly from the standpoint of exactly why their eyes were open to that point. Because remember, their eyes were holding before when they were walking along towards the village. And maybe at that very moment, that's when Jesus allowed their eyes to be open. But what I believe... What I believe is that when, when they saw that picture, when they saw that action that Jesus took, it reminded them of something. It reminded them of a person. It reminded them of Jesus. And when they saw the action that was taken by this man that they didn't know who he was, at that very moment, they knew exactly that it was Jesus. They knew exactly it was Jesus. See, what's interesting is that sometimes we can't see Jesus because we're not recognizing the actions that he's taking. We don't see Jesus. Jesus is working and wants to work in our lives and wants to do something in our lives and and is trying to show himself real and evident in our lives by how he interacts and reacts and, and, and works in our lives, but yet we don't see it. Maybe it's because we're closing our eyes a little bit. Maybe it's because we don't want to see those things. Maybe we're so caught up in looking at the world and maybe even ourselves to see what Jesus is doing. But I want to help you with this when we come and we talk about Jesus. Remember, he's a resurrected God. He's alive and well. So even what he's doing right now, that's impactful. But here's what I want to help you with. Jesus is working just as much today as he was that day. Jesus still is in the midst of working in people's lives. For the people that that have put their faith and trust in Jesus, Jesus is is, is wanting to, to make you more like himself. He wants you to be conformed to the image of himself. He wants to help you and guide you and direct you and, and, and help you, like with this decision, follow me. With that direction, follow me. With this decision or choice or whatever it may be, follow me. With the, with the lost, with the person that has not put their faith and trust in Jesus, here's what Jesus is trying to do. Jesus is trying to say, believe in me. Put your faith and trust in me. Here's what's interesting, I, and this is, we don't sometimes see this, but we need to understand that God can work in the lives of the saved and the unsaved. And his actions, the way he acts and, and does things, we may not understand. We may have a lot more questions about it. 
But if Jesus is, let me say not if Jesus, when Jesus works in your life, he has a reason. He has a purpose. And so as Jesus and his actions is working in your life as, as one that has put their, relation, their trust and faith in Jesus, has a relationship with Jesus, let's look and see how Jesus is trying to show himself real in your life by his actions. But for the unsaved, for the person that has not put their faith and trust in Jesus, that, that God is still working in the midst of your life. And there may be some things that you don't want to believe or look at or think about, but there's some unexplainable things in your life right now. And what you're trying to do is you're trying to explain them away. You're trying to make sense of them because there's, there's things in my life that are happening and I don't really understand why. Maybe here's what you need to open your mind to. Maybe what you need to understand is that Jesus is trying to get your attention. He's trying to get your attention. He's using circumstances and situations and people in your life to get your attention but you're focused on either yourself or the world around you or just the fact that, you know what, I don't believe, so I'm not going to let my mind go there. When in reality, there's some things in your life that are unexplainable. And here's what I want to encourage you about. If there's some unexplainable things in your life, instead of putting God as the last option on the table, why don't we put them up there first? Why don't we say, hey, there's some unexplainable things in my life. I wonder if Jesus is trying to tell me something. I wonder if God is trying to tell me something. Because here's the deal. He is wanting to show himself evident through the word, through the scriptures, but he's wanting to show himself evident through his actions, through his actions. As we keep on going, verse verse 32 these are these two guys, or these two individuals, and they say, they said one to another, did not, look, look at this, did not our heart burn within us, notice this, while he talketh with us by the way, and while he opened to us the scriptures. See, right now, here's what I want to help you with. Right now, right now, Jesus is trying to speak to your heart. He's trying to speak to your heart. Whether you're saved or lost, and you may say, well, I, I don't know, right now. You know why I know he's trying to do that? Because he's doing it with me right now. He's doing it with the people in this room right now that are listening. He's doing it with the people right now that are watching on their computer or their phone or whatever they're watching on. I don't know, but here's what's happening. The, Jesus wanted to get to your heart. And there's something burning in their heart because of what Jesus did, but then also what Jesus showed in the Scriptures. Notice in verse 33, And they rose up the same hour. And returned to Jerusalem and found the eleven gathered together, and them that were with them, saying, The Lord is risen indeed, and hath appeared to Simon. And they say, and they told, they, look at this, and they told what things were done in the way, and notice what they say, and how he was known of them in breaking of bread. They meet with Jesus. They realize it's Jesus. He vanishes out. He goes and tells the others. They go and tell the other people. And they tell them about, they don't just tell them about, hey, we saw Jesus. No, they talk about the fact of the actions he took that helped them to know that it was Jesus. Now, there's one more scripture I want to, 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 to show you. Because some of y'all are like, man, this is great. Look, they went and told the 11, and, and, and now everybody's going to know that he's the resurrected king. We have a shorter account 
of this interaction and, and what the response was, you'll find it in Mark 16. Mark 16, verse 9. It says, Now when Jesus was risen early in the first day of the week, he appeared first to Mary Magdalene, out of whom he had cast seven devils. And she went and told them that he had been with them as they mourned and wept. And they, when they had heard that he was alive and had seen of her, believed not. Now that's what we talked about last week. Mary Magdalene, these women, they went to, back to the, the disciples, went back to the apostles, went back to the other followers of Jesus and reported that, hey, we've seen the resurrected God, we've seen Jesus himself, and they believed her not. We looked at that last week. But notice in verse 12, And after they appeared in another form unto two of them, that two men in Emmaus, as they walked and went to the country, verse 13, and they went and told it under the residue or the rest, neither believed they them. Notice what happens here is that, that we understand now from the standpoint of when these two individuals go to tell the eleven about it, we now know their response. And their response is the same as was it was, what it was with Mary Magdalene and the other women. And the same it is now with these two individuals. They don't believe. They don't believe. Now, I hate to, in two different messages, end on a sour note. But this is something that we all need to help and understand within ourselves, but also within the people that we're trying to reach. This is now two examples that somebody has seen, specifically Jesus, real, alive, resurrected. And they go to report back to somebody else, and they don't believe them on two different occasions. And so there's some skepticism there. There's some hesitancy there. There's some, I don't know if I believe what you're trying to say. And so if you're that person right now who's watching, and you're still in this, I don't know, Stay with us. Stay with us. Because I don't want you to think that we're looking as the church people going, oh, look at those unbelievers. Look how much, why can they not just put their faith and trust in Jesus? Why can they not see it? Why can they not understand it? Why can they not believe it? When in reality, we have people that walked with Jesus for three and a half years, and then when there's reports back that he's resurrected, they don't believe. They don't believe. So I want you, if you have, and let me, I gotta say this real quick. If you're somebody watching right now and you haven't put your faith and trust in Jesus yet, and, and, and in some ways the reason why you're not doing that is because of what people think of you or, 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 or how people portray you because you haven't put your faith and trust in Jesus, let me be the first one to let you know. I want you to be saved. I want you to have a relationship with Jesus. But if you're not there yet, I don't hate you. If you're not there yet, I'm not disappointed in you. If you're not there yet, I understand. Because here's the thing, what's for, what's, what, with us as Christians, let me just be completely honest. Sometimes we forget about where we came from. Sometimes we forget about where we were when God found us. Sometimes we forget about about our questions and our skepticism and our curiosity. 
When in reality, when somebody first presented Jesus to us, if we're being completely honest, it was something that was almost unbelievable. But yet, but yet in the process of somebody being patient with me, with God being patient with me, as I continue to open my mind and open my heart to, to the truth of the gospel, to what Jesus was trying to say to me, and, that, and, then, and those are the moments when I started to see who Jesus really was and what he wanted to be in my life. And so if you're not there yet, that's okay. Now I'm encouraging you. I want you to take that step there's somebody right now that's watching and you haven't put your faith and trust in Jesus, hopefully this has helped you a little bit. Hopefully you've seen some explanation that we can look in the Old Testament. There's a, there are prophecies after prophecies. There are thousands and thousands of years in the making that are pointing to Jesus. But not only through the Scriptures, but this, also you will see that maybe there's some things happening in my life because God is trying to show Himself evident to me. On Easter, on Easter, I, I told you all about this rubber band that I've been wearing around my wrist for, for, for really a couple months now. And here's what I wanted you to do. Is, as, as Jesus Himself was explaining the resurrection to you, as He was asking these questions to these two individuals that are walking on this road. What I'm asking you to do is stretch your mind. Open your mind a little bit. Because when we open our minds to the fact that, hey, maybe Jesus is real. Maybe Jesus does want a relationship with me. Maybe there really is a heaven. And in turn, maybe there is a hell. So I want you to open your mind. To the fact that Jesus wants a relationship with you. Open your mind. Be willing to trust. Be willing to believe. Now for the Christian, for the Christian, (laughs) for the Christian, one is that we need to understand that we can use the Scripture to point people to Jesus. (laughs) We can use our actions to point people to Jesus? Maybe one of our questions need to be is, are our actions pointing others to Jesus or not? Do we know enough of the Scripture to be able to point someone to Jesus by looking at the Scripture? But I don't know about you, but it seems like that God has kind of taken a little bit of a different direction with the Christian. Maybe we need to have a little bit more compassion for the lost. Maybe we need to have a little bit more understanding with the lost. Maybe we need to have a little more patience with the lost. They may, they not, may not be there yet, but that there's still an opportunity for a conversation to happen. There's still an opportunity for us to pray for them. There's still an opportunity for us to continue to share and to share again and to share again and to share again. So what do you need to do today? What do you need to do today? For those who have not put their faith and trust in Jesus, I'm asking you today, would you put your faith and trust in Jesus?
Not because of what I said, but because of what Jesus said. Jesus explained himself. He explained the resurrection through the scriptures and through his actions. Will you put your faith and trust in Jesus today? For the Christian, what do you need to do? What does your witness need to be? How are you going to show people Jesus? What do you need to do today? I'm about to pray. I'm about to pray. Now don't turn it off. This is the most important part. Because if you're a Christian right now, here's what I need you to be doing. As I'm praying, you need to be praying. Because I believe there's people on the other side of this camera right now that need to put their faith and trust in Jesus. So stay with me. Stay with me. If you want to put your faith and trust in Jesus today, I'm going to lead you through that. In the midst of the prayer, I'm going to lead you through that. What that means to put your faith and trust in Jesus. Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for today. Thank you so much for your word. Thank you so much for the truth of your word. And so, Lord God, we pray right now for every single person that is watching that has never put their faith and trust in Jesus. They have never put, they have never called you as Savior. They do not have a home in heaven. And right now, sadly, Lord God, in their condition, they stand in condemnation going straight to hell. And so, Lord God, right now, any person's under sound of my voice that needs to put their faith and trust in Jesus today, Lord God, I pray that they would pray and believe these things I'm about to say. First and foremost, Lord God, for the person that needs to put their faith and trust in Jesus today, number one, they need to admit they're a sinner. Admit they're a sinner. Every single one of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Every single one of us have fallen short of the holiness of God. Lord God, I admit I'm a sinner. Lord God, I believe, I believe that you died on a cross for my sins. You died instead of me. And I believe three days later you rose up in victory over those sins and you're alive and well. And then finally, Lord, I confess you as Lord and Savior of my life. Lord God, according to your word, according to the truth of your scriptures, Lord God, if we admit we're a sinner, we believe that you died and rose again, and we confess you as Lord and Savior of our life, Lord God, you will save us. And so, Lord God, I thank you for the people that have made that decision today. Now, for the Christian, for the Christian, whatever their step is need to take, is it knowing more of the Scriptures to point people to Jesus? Is it understanding and realizing that Jesus is, is showing actions in their life to help them to believe and to trust? Is it them checking up on their own actions? Are their, are their own actions reflecting the character and goodness of God? Or maybe there needs to be a little bit more patience, a little more determination, a little more understanding when it comes to the people that have not put their faith in Jesus yet. Lord God, guide and direct them what they need to do. Lord God, we love you. We thank you. We make big of you today. In your wonderful name we pray. Amen. Now here's one